Thank you, Maddie, for leading us in worship and for displaying for us the movement of Psalm 13, where for four verses, uh, the psalmist, this psalm is attributed to David. For four verses, David expresses his anguish, his lament, even anger towards the Lord. How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? And we saw this as Maddie was dancing. But then that movement shifts in Psalm 13 and in the dance toward trust. So in verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 13, David says, But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. We're going to hold the movement of Psalm 13 in our minds as we look at Luke 15, 25 through 32. And I want to point out that the older son, as we read this passage, is unable, and we'll address this a bit in the sermon, the older son is unable to follow the movement of Psalm 13 from the expression of anger toward trust, or at least we're not told if he's able to do that or not. So let's look at Luke 15, verses 25 through 32. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came out, when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became, became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and now he is found. Let us pray together. Oh Lord, speak to our hearts, continue to speak to our hearts. Through the movement of Psalm 13 and through the story of the oldest son, may we know and see the ways in which we are like him. And may we also move to that place of deep trust in you and gratitude. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I have a younger brother. I am almost three years older than my younger brother. Um, and I confess that if my parents took me to the hospital to see him when he was born, I do not remember that. And I confess that when he came home from the hospital for the first time, I have no memory of that either. In fact, I confess I have no memories whatsoever of what my brother was like as a baby. Please don't tell him that if you ever meet him. 
but I have a crystal clear, perfectly imaged memory of something that did happen the day that he came home from the hospital. I do not remember him at all. I do not remember his cries. I do not remember the sight of him, but I sure do remember that fancy new shiny green Tonka truck that my parents purchased for me so that I would not feel left out in the midst of all of the attention that my brother was properly receiving. The older brother could have used a green Tonka truck when his youngest son came home. Not saying he should have had that, but it's what he wanted. And let's be honest, most of us would have wanted our green Tonka truck too if we were in his shoes, whatever that truck would look like for you. Because we look at this parable and we see any number of reasons that explains why the older son acts the way he does. The biggest one comes from his, his own speech, his, his own words. He says to his father, here I've been faithful to you. I've done everything that you've asked. I've pulled more than my share of the weight and the work of the family. I've carried my own share and my brother's share too while he's away. I've never given you a moment's trouble. And here this, notice he says younger, this son, he doesn't say my brother. He says this son of yours goes off and squanders your property with wild living and and he comes home and you kill the fatted calf for him and you wouldn't give me even a goat to celebrate with my friends even after all that I have done. So there is a sense in the words and in the logic of the older brother of a, a lack of justice and unfairness is taking place. It's just not fair that he's treated in this way. And we understand that, those of us who are parents, perhaps even more so those of us who are grandparents, I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many grandparents who have multiple grandchildren make sure that at Christmas, all of your grandchildren at least think and feel like they've received about the same stuff that their other grandchildren received? I, okay, they're, they're yeah. And, and, and so we understand why the oldest son feels like he's been treated misfairly. Notice that he comes into the, the house, the, the compound, and, and there's already singing and dancing going on. Uh, it takes a while to kill the fatted calf. It takes a while to get the party started, which indicates that this is probably at the end of the work day. The party's been going on for a long time, and he's coming home to work, and he doesn't know what's going on, which then suggests the obvious that no one thought to go out and get him and tell him the good news that his, son, his brother has come home. Why don't you come home, stop work, and join the party? But not only has his father not sent someone out to get him and bring him home, give him a half day off, 
and join the fun, but, but when he arrives, he has no idea what the fuss is about. So he has to ask a family servant what's going on, and the servant knows before the oldest son knows. And I know I would have been just as mad as he was. He was. And perhaps you would have been too. And so we hear the words of the father, the explanation of the father. He, he says these gracious words, son, you are always with me. You're, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and he has come to life. He was lost and, and he has been found. It's a story of grace. And of course, as we know, grace means unmerited favor. It, it means receiving something that you don't deserve. It means receiving something you're not worthy of and that you didn't earn. If we could earn it, it wouldn't be grace. And so the, the older brother is wrestling, struggling with this grace that his father has given to his brother. Now, in its original context, what Jesus was doing was addressing the Pharisees. If you'll notice at the very beginning of chapter 15, he says this, now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so then Jesus tells the parable of the shepherd who has 99 sheep, but one, the hundredth is lost, and he goes out in search for him. And the woman who has 10 coins, one is lost, she sweeps the whole house to find the one. And then the third story, the third parable, the prodigal son who goes away uh, and the father rushes out to him when he comes home, when the son comes home. This is about the Pharisees' inability to show grace to what Luke describes and they describes as tax collectors and sinners that Jesus is hanging out with and Jesus is spending time with and he's giving them attention and they, they're scandalized by this. And so Jesus is, in a sense, saying that the elder brother is the Pharisees. They, they, they can't love and experience grace the way that the elder brother cannot. But this is not just a record of Jesus' encounters with the Pharisees. This is God's living word that speaks to us. And what this word speaks to us, I believe, certainly what it speaks to me, is the difficulty of embracing the love that God has for everyone and even perhaps more significantly the difference, the difficulty we have in embracing God's love for us. Because the more we can embrace God's incredible love for us, the more we are able to embrace and celebrate and participate in God's love for all the world. Psalm 13, movement from anger to trust. How do we move towards this kind of amazing embrace of this amazing love of the Father for us and the Father in this parable, God's love for others? A couple of observations. Back to Psalm 13. Um, 
I think it's not helpful to say that if we were in the older brother's position, we should have just worked harder and gotten over it and just loved him and forgiven him. I, I don't think that's helpful for us. When someone uh, receives something that we think we should have received, when someone is blessed in ways that we feel like we should have been blessed, if the script in our lives is not being played out the way we would have written it, if life is not going the way we would like for it to go, it's not wise, I believe, to push those feelings of frustration and resentment underneath the rug and just pretend as if nothing happened. Instead, like David in Psalm 13, we do four verses of complaining and lament, even anger towards God. And then we allow the Holy Spirit in verses five and six to move us toward a place of trust and towards thanksgiving. Several years ago, uh, a colleague did something wonderful. Uh, not a colleague on staff with me, but a, but a colleague at a former church in another part of the city and uh, did something wonderful and received some recognition that was well-deserved for what he did. But what he did was built upon some foundational work that I had done. He would not have been able to do what he did if I had not already laid the groundwork. And I let him know, hopefully in a gracious manner, I think I was gracious when I let him know. And I discovered, which I kinda knew ahead of time, that he simply had not thought ahead to think that what he was able to do was built on what something someone else had done and that actually hurt worse it hurt worse because I had put forth a lot of effort and my colleague had not seen it and had not recognized it and when he built on it I wasn't acknowledged and that was hard that was hard for me. And it wouldn't have been healthy for me, I don't think, to just, well, I just need to get over it. No, I needed to say something graciously to him, but I also needed to express myself before God with a little, little more emotion, negative emotion than I did before my colleague. And then I needed to say, Lord, thank you for working through us both to get something good accomplished in our city, I had been able, by the grace of God, to move from that sense of lament, expressing it hopefully properly and faithfully, towards that place of trust and gratitude because God was at work. Whenever you find yourself in a situation like the older brother, uh, you've been done everything that's right, everything that you're supposed to do, and someone else hasn't, and, and they get all kinds of accolades or whenever you're treated unfairly or, or the script is not going the way you wanted it to go. I don't believe scripture says, well, you just grin and bear it and ignore that frustrating, even angry feeling that you have. Scripture gives us permission to be like the older son and to express that anger. But then scripture also calls us to move toward trust and grace and working with God and with others. 
There's a humility there that's difficult for us. But it's a humility rooted in the sense that all of us are sinners who have fallen short of God's glory. And the more we can embrace and receive and live out of the grace that we have received, the better we are able to extend grace to others. So one way to to move toward living out of the Father's love in the parable and to move past what the elder son is doing is to express ourselves like Psalm 13 when we're frustrated, but then to move towards trust. But there's another thing that the son does not do, the oldest son does not do, that I believe we're called to do. And that is to pray for those that we're frustrated with Pray for those we're in conflict with. Pray for those we're jealous of. Pray for those who we think are receiving something that we should have received or are being treated in ways that are too gracious. We're called to be honest with our feelings, but also to pray for those folks. Notice what happens for the oldest son. Hear this again. He says, verse 30, But when this son of yours, but when this son of yours, he doesn't say, but when my brother, but when my brother came back. Let's put a couple things together here. When his brother comes back, he doesn't call him his brother. And he's been working in the fields faithfully all the time that his brother has been away. Can you imagine, I think we're safe to imagine that as he's working, he's working through some resentment toward his brother. Can you imagine, I think it's safe to say that more than a time or two, while he was sweating in the fields, he was thinking, my brother's at ease somewhere and here I am breaking my back to do his share of the work plus mine. And so there is estrangement throughout this journey, which then means it comes as no surprise that there is estrangement when when the younger brother comes home, which then suggests that while he is at work in the fields, the older brother is not praying for his younger brother because he doesn't think of him as his younger brother. He just thinks of him as that other son of my father. We just happen to share a father. There's an absence of love, an absence of prayer. The father is looking for the youngest son to come home. The oldest son is not doing that. And so if we want to move away from the older brother's response to this grace that's been given to his brother and more towards having grace for ourselves and receiving grace for ourselves and sharing it with others, then we're going to need to pray even for people that we might not automatically think of first when it comes to our prayer time. Roberta Bondi is a former professor at uh, Emory a Candler School of Theology at Emory in Atlanta. Um, she wrote a book 20 years ago on the Lord's Prayer. And, and she talks, she gets to that phrase, the beginning phrase, our Father who art in heaven, and she talks about being in conflict with someone somewhere in her life as she's praying through this prayer. We'll call him John Doe, who knows who it was. But 
but she was struggling with this relationship. And so she realized in one of those Holy Spirit moments that she needed to change the way she prayed. And so she would pray, our Father who art in heaven, my Father and Jane Doe's father and John Doe's father, and she would go on and she would list people and she would name people, my father and so-and-so's father and her father and his father who art in heaven. And in the praying of that, the jealousy or the anger or the frustration, it seems to shift and, and move away. And so we can imagine the older brother in this parable praying the prayer, our father, my father, and my brother's father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we can imagine the spirit moving, moving him toward a, a, a deeper sense of grace for himself and a deeper sense of grace for his brother. So we want to move towards this place where we're more like the father in this parable who represents God than we are like the older son who cannot offer grace for his brother. There's some things that we can do. The movement of Psalm 13 gives us guidance. The praying of the Our Father for specific people, that helps. Those are incredibly important. But ultimately, it's the same grace that saves us from our sin that saves us, that saves other people from their sin. It's that same grace of God that enables us to live with ourselves with love and to live with love for others. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know that? And do you know how much God loves the person that you perhaps aren't loving very well right now, at least in your heart? Do you know how much God loves you even when you act like the older brother and even when you act like the younger brother? That's why we struggle with this parable. It speaks of a grace beyond our comprehension, a grace that's foreign to the way we live, a grace that's so wonderful. We simply receive it, we sing it, we pray it, and by this grace, we trust God to live it out through us persistent, consistent sinners that we are. May it be so for you 
and for me and for us. Amen. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we see so much of ourselves in the elder brother, and we want to be like the Father. We want to be like you. And so we pray that wherever we are on this journey, some of us a lot like the older brother right now, some of us like the younger, some of us a little bit farther along, moving towards being like the Father, but but wherever we are. We're grateful for your patience and your grace with us. And we do pray that you would, by your spirit, help us to be honest with you and more trusting of you. And we hope that you would help us pray for all the people in our lives. And we recognize that as important as the things we are to do are and as much as you help us to do those things in the end it's all about your grace and so we pray that your grace would be an operation in our lives and in our church in amazing ways so that we would grow in grace for each other and that you would use your grace in us to draw people who do not know you into this wonderful field of grace that you have for them. And we pray that in all of these things that you would help each of us to fully embrace the grace you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so we sing, we, we sing to celebrate the grace of God and to acknowledge who we are as sinners in need of God's grace. But also we, we sing as a way of making commitments. Every person here today makes a commitment as we sing. What will that commitment be for you? Some of us have not publicly professed faith in Jesus for the first time. We haven't come home like the youngest son I'll stand right here to receive you. If you want to come and profess your faith in Jesus publicly for the first time. Others are followers of Christ, but you, you're, you're not a part of a, a family of faith through whom you can figure out and live into this grace of God. Come and join Fifth Avenue Baptist Church. Or you may simply need to come forward and to pray. Would you stand as we sing together?